Welcome to the Kixology Podcast, a show all about running shoes. My name is Brian Metzler, your host and resident running shoe geek. I'm also the author of Kixology, a book about the hype, science, culture, and cool of running shoes. In this episode, I'm joined by David Rice, the founder and CEO of Brand Black, an upstart footwear brand he started in Los Angeles in 2014, and a brand about to release its first performance-oriented running shoes. I'm also joined by Michael Krajic, an endurance artist and founder of a soon-to-launch running brand called Atreyu in Austin, Texas. We talk about the impetus behind starting a new brand, what it takes to get off the ground, how creativity and cool are important to their brands, and where running shoe design is going. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the show. I'm uh, pleased to be joined by David Rice from Brand Black, a company based out of Los Angeles, and Michael Krajic, a, a new brand, Atreyu, based out of Austin, Texas. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's up? Feeling good. So, uh, you know, I've been fascinated by running shoes for a long time and, and, and footwear in general, and um, I've, I've never really thought about starting my own brand because um, I'm not really sure where, where I would start. And you guys both have super interesting stories, but I guess... You know, uh, in this day and age, obviously you can do anything, but but uh, how how do you start a running brand in this in this day and age, David? David, t- t- tell us how you got started uh, with Brand Black. Uh, I am I'm the elder statesman of this group here, so I've been doing this for a long time. I think I got into the industry in '92 uh, at Fila and uh, as a designer, and I've always wanted to make really cool products. And I felt like, uh, you know, as a journeyman throughout this industry, working at all these different companies, that so many, like, you know, whenever somebody would come and visit me in my office, they would say, oh man, what is that right there? And I'd be like, yeah, that, that never made it. What about that right there? Ah, that never made it. And I just got so sick of that being the case almost everywhere I went that I figured, you know, before I get too old and I regret this for the rest of my life, I needed to try and make a brand that that I can put all the shoes out that I felt were the cool ones and the interesting ones and not have any excuses for them not to come out. So that was kind of the nexus. Uh, in retrospect, I see why a lot of those shoes didn't make it. <laughs> but, but but I do have the steering wheel in my hand now. So well, that's, that's, that's my nexus. Well, that's, that's cool. Certainly, uh, you mentioned something we'll get to a lot here, but but certainly the idea of cool is, is a big factor in, in footwear, especially running, obviously. And uh, that's always fascinated me as well, too. And, and, and believe me, we've all seen a lot of shoes that have made it that weren't very good, too. And, and, and that's interesting, too. But um, maybe, Michael, let's go to you. And uh, you're about to launch. Uh, I know you've launched your brand, but you're about to get your first shoes in a couple of months here uh, to consumers. What uh, You've got a crazy background. I know you were a musician of sorts and you were operating a hot dog cart and then, <laughs> and then you discovered running, I think. And then, and, and now you're starting a shoe brand. So tell us about that. Right. It's been a wild ride. I, um, so I started as a musician. I moved back home to, um, kind of get my, get my stuff together. And then, uh, decided that I, I had had a job, uh, starting up a hot dog restaurant in new Orleans, um, at one point in time. And I wanted to um, go that route. And I started my own restaurant and uh, was relatively successful for a small town. And then uh, decided to, uh, some investors wanted to take it off my hands. And uh, so then I went back into playing lounge music and falling in love with endurance sports, um, triathlon, running, just every day at the restaurant too. I would go out and run for an hour. 
and uh, it just to clear my head. And it, it was also around the time I started the restaurant when I got sober at 26 and running just became so synonymous like with this quality of life. And it just parlayed into this wild journey to where here we are now. And I'm looking forward in about a month to getting my first line, you know, out to the wild. That's pretty exciting. I've been uh, demoing you, your Voyager shoe, as you know, and uh, yeah. so far so good. I mean, it's uh, to me, it's it's lightweight. It's um, it's it's uh, I wouldn't say simple, but certainly um, smartly designed. And and that's I think what what you know I've always wanted in a running shoe. But um, it seems like you had this mission to, to build these shoes, these high quality shoes, at this unique low cost um, uh, business uh, operation, right? I mean, like I know you're going to have eventually a subscription model. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So it really, usually I don't circle back around to the hot dog life, but I did have this mentor when starting that, um, helping start that business in New Orleans, that first one. He always hammered into me, simplicity is the key to happiness and success. He said it a hundred times a day and it really resounded with me. So on this newfound life, I just wanted something simple doesn't always mean easy. What is dedication? What is this? What is that? And I just wanted a product to reflect that. So um, dedicated athletes, in my case, when I was training for my first Ironman, I was going through all kinds of different shoes and models and everything. And and they would change the model on me and change the features and it would fit different and things like that. So I, I wanted to create a program that I know subscription programs are, I guess, you know, in right now, there's a lot of subscription programs, but it's interesting that there hasn't been one for footwear because athletes on training plans are on a dedicated schedule and they re-up, you know, consistently. And um, it it was just an interesting model that I wanted to explore. I didn't know if it would work in the very beginning because I didn't know anything about the manufacturing process. And as I went down the road, all the boxes just kept checking. You know, once you place a PO, it takes this long for them to finish. It takes this long to get over, you know, and you can align that with a subscription at X amount of time. So, um, you know, there's some unique business things that I learned along the way, which is if you take, you know, a recurring model, um, you can take a perhaps a smaller margin and um, that margin is favorable to the consumer and if you were to have that kind of problem set, how would, what would the product look like? How would you reflect that in the design? So all of these things, I was a student of, of the design process from start to finish. And um, really, you know, I'm confident in it, but uh, it, it has been a very big learning process. I imagine so, but it seems like you're a fast study for a guy who maybe hasn't been running in, that long, maybe. And, and also, Unlike David, who's been in the industry for a long time, um, mm-hmm. it seems like you've learned a lot pretty pretty quickly. But but maybe David, speak to that. He, he's he stumbled upon obviously some of the things we all know. You've you've been in the industry for a long time with Adidas and and, and Fila and Skechers, obviously. And, and the notion of the cyclical notion of putting product out and updating it and changing it and everything else is part of what this industry is. And I think at some point that kind of is a detractor too, right? It, it kind of it kind of takes away from the cool vibe that you mentioned earlier. But but it seems like that's part of like, you got to sell every, every six months, you got to put on a new shoe. I mean, talk about that mm-hmm. and kind of how that's always been part of what, what this industry has been about. Yeah. I think, you know, ultimately it's planned obsolescence, right. And you've got an industry that feeds off of newness. Um, and I think that that's only been exacerbated by social media where your feed is new every day. 
And I think people's attention spans have gotten really late, you know, where, where, uh, you know, uh, Nike could launch an Air Max once a year in maybe two colors back when I was a kid, you know, um, New Balance was even slower. I think nowadays, you know, you, you, you've got to be launching something every couple of weeks or else people just, you know, the worry is that nobody's paying attention to you. And I also think that we're talking about an industry that I think was started by people like, like Michael and I, um, that, you know, you, you have people in an industry in the beginning that are sort of passionate about it and uh, committed to what it is that they're building and doing um, with fresh ideas. And then you end up as the as the industry gets bigger, um, you end up with professional business people that are kind of just there to collect a check, you know, sublimate their little skill set over it, and um, and then it just becomes about you know it becomes about P and L, and it becomes about you know bottom line, and it's just like well you know if we add a seventh colorway of this shoe or if mm-hmm. we use a slightly cheaper foam on the next version here, we're going to be able to, you know, increase our bottom line X amount of dollars and it's worthwhile. And then the board looks at it and then no one who gives a shit about product is involved in those processes usually. And those decisions get made. So, you know, for a runner, that's just like, why the fuck did you guys change my favorite shoe in the whole world? Sometimes it's because they just changed it just because they could. Sometimes they change it because of, you know, nefarious reasons that I just mentioned, or at least, sloppy sort of not really giving a shit reasons. Um, so I think all of that is, has factored into it. And then the last thing I'll say is um, what, what, what Michael was talking about with, or actually I, I heard you say, Brian, you said, you know, uh, you didn't want to say that they were simple shoes, right? It's almost like that's, that's offensive to people nowadays. And, and it's interesting because that was the goal of, of what we were trying to do with the Skechers shoes. And, and it is, you know, I, I always quote that that famous French. Uh, I think the quote has been attributed to um, uh, what's his face, the uh, American sartorialist. Anyway, but it's actually a, a French poet who said, "You know, if I'd have had more time, I'd have written a shorter letter." <laughs> and the idea of doing something really, really simple is not easy, uh, and it requires a great deal of, of reductive work and focus and concentration. It's easy to make complicated, sloppy stuff. And I feel like that's the majority of the industry. So, yeah, David, I I I love that because simple doesn't mean easy, and that's that's the, that's the misconception. Um, and I do find it very very interesting is that a lot of a lot of people were wondering like how a newcomer like myself might get as far as to to create a shoe. Well, I didn't have as many constraints or people, as you mentioned, like there's, it seems to me that there was a luxury in being able to do it with a small group of advisors and a team and an industrial designer that, that, that hooked me up with some sourcing agents that was able to create a supply chain. If you were to tell me, you know, before how to do it, and I would have to hire, put all the teams in place and all the marketing in place and everything, it would have been daunting, you know, so not knowing as much as is how it works was actually a luxury in my case. Yeah, I think that that's the sort of, the, I think at the in, at the heart of every entrepreneur, right, is a sort of uh, a happy ignorance to just sort of start walking in a direction and just, you know, I hope we get there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I heard a great quote once, which was, uh, we're lost, but we're making great time. 
<laughs> Isn't that always the case? Yeah, exactly. Uh, David, you mentioned something early on about cool. You want to make cool shoes. And I know that like, you know, there's different levels of cool and different things that make things cool. And certainly we know that, uh, you know, we know what goes viral, even if we don't know why, but like back in the day, you know, running shoes weren't, maybe weren't cool. And then they became this lifestyle thing and they had attachment to it. Right. And like, so we, we knew that sneakers, you know, basketball shoes or sneakers became cool before, but, but now it seems like there is a cool vibe that is attached to running shoes and it may be in different ways, but it certainly, it does influence uh, design, right? It does influence certainly um, how, how you're, how you go about, you know, doing your business. Right. I mean, like, but, 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 but what, what makes, or, or maybe why is footwear cool? Why does it have to be cool? Uh, I think, I think, you know, starting with my generation, Right, I'm I'm a Gen X. I think we were the first generation that was sort of born into sneakers, had sneakers. I think before that, when they were calling them tennis shoes, I still uh, call them tennis shoes. They were all oh, well, that's because you're from the south. Exactly. That's yeah. Do you call soda pop? Uh, no, just soda. Coke. <laughs> Everything is Coke. <laughs> so uh, I I think before that. It was considered, you know, uh, appropriate attire for for athletic endeavors, and then it jumped the shark somewhere in, you know, in the, the late seventies, early eighties, and people started wearing them just sort of just as as, as footwear. Because uh, if you think about the generation before us, I mean, they wore casual shoes, you know, and I, I don't, I can't think of a person under twenty now that's probably ever even worn casual shoes, you know, even to a funeral they don't. Um, so. I think what happened is that people started wearing sneakers. Sneakers became a thing of themselves. And as they sort of started evolving and becoming more interesting, it became a status symbol for our generation. And thus the coolness factor kicked in. And then you had, you know, MJ and you had Nike and Tinker Hatfield and all that stuff. But it's interesting. The term cool is very subjective to everybody, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a part of it that is fabricated. Uh, that you sort of, you know, you can sort of control what's cool by seating shoes or, you know, or having celebrities be attached to it, et cetera. And that stuff really doesn't interest me that much. I think what I'm always after, and I, I don't, I don't get there very often, but I'm most intrigued by sort of um, real functional, pure sort of love of what it is that you're doing and a quirky sort of like feature to your product that makes it stand out, but it stands out for a reason. It's not trying to be cool. It just is what it is. Uh, That's always the coolest to me, you know, and that's why I always gravitate towards obscure little Japanese hiking brands or weird tent brands or stuff like that, where it's just a bunch of nerds just doing nerd stuff and not trying to be cool. Cause I think when you're trying to be cool and you got like marketing douchebags walking around, putting pins in it and coming back to it later, I just want to vomit. Yeah, you'll it, forgive it, me. No, I get it. And, and even if it, even if that hits the mark with like the right color tones for the for the you know for that season, that's a short lived flame, right? I mean, like those, those, and it's also a different market too. It's, it's not really cool. It's kind of like this faux cool thing, right? So it's not. It, it sells at big sporting goods, and then why'd you do that in the first place, right? Yeah, and then it's on closeout. You know, the markdown cadence is like what, like two weeks. You know, well, we're only pushing eleven percent, so we're gonna you know it's ten percent off this week, then twenty percent, then fifty percent, then you gotta take them back. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but obviously we've alluded to a lot of things obviously this is a business you know and like uh, the ultimate goal is to sell shoes and a lot of them maybe or a certain number of them um, and obviously yeah, there's plenty of bean counters that make it make this world go around and that's unfortunate but uh, I guess you know 
as a business, I mean, like, how do you, how do you blend that, like that, that urge to be creative and, and cool and like, and also functional, but also like, yeah, you need to get customers. I mean, how does that, I mean, that's not an easy process because if you're, if you're not trying to be this big 500 pound gorilla of selling shoes, you, you're trying to sell like these cool things. It's, it's not an easy thing, right? Mike, you want to jump in there or you want to? Yeah, sure. Um, I, so I have a lot of thoughts on this because I got a lot of flack for it. Um, in the beginning, we did, you know, focus groups and stuff like that just because I was told we had to do that. And it was like, all right, that's a great idea. I'm, I'm down to try anything. And uh, so we did focus groups and everybody seemed to want you know, to agree on like a very monochromatic shoe that did the very thing that every other shoe does and everything like that. And I was like, man, it just doesn't feel personal. Like what is cool? Style is created out of limitation. That's cool. What do I know? Like if I don't want to just go merely create the next monochromatic shoe, like what, what would I do? Well, let's just get brutally honest with how personal we can be. We have this ability to bring something into the world, whether it be a brand or an idea or art or creativity. I'm much more of an artist than I am an entrepreneur. I don't take many risks, although it may seem like I do because I've done, I've bet everything on this, but I am, this is a creative endeavor. So I wanted to put my personality into it. And people um, just looked at me like I was crazy. Like what, what the hell is that satellite doing on there? Well, the Voyager, I, you know, is, it's inspiring to me. It's, it's when humanity got together and built something that went the farthest man-made object into the universe. Like that's, it's just mind boggling. So what if we got together and created an idea that just went further than you could even imagine? So there's the Voyager idea. And I'm personally obsessed with honesty, honesty. So you have these design limitations. What are mine? It's just what I know. So when creating a shoe, I wanted to be bright and bold. So I use primary colors I included the Voyager on it. I included not one, but two catchphrases. My brother about lost his mind. He goes, <laughs> how the shit did this work? You put two catchphrases on the, on the, uh, on the medial part of the shoe. And like it, one of them says, keep going. And the other says the battle lies within the two different fonts. Like what the shit? And, and I tell you what, that's the, I cannot walk anywhere in these damn things without somebody going, Hey, I like your shoes. Like, what's going on with those? Where, where can I get those? And like, man, this is just a personal testament. Like, this has nothing to do with manufacturing cool. This is just, you're looking at authenticity. And yeah. so that's what I, I believe in what, you know, David, what you said about, like, we don't just go out and manufacture something because we think it's going to work. Like, I have faith that if I put myself out there, not based on what the focus groups say, but based on a code of what I think is honest and, you know, belligerently just ridiculous, then I, then I, I, I can get behind that. I think that's what it's going to take. So time will tell. And it's real too. I mean, that's, that's a key thing, right? It's, it's real. It's not, it's not something that's following a mold, right? Or, or having to do this because of this, right? It's, it's a real thing you created. That's yeah. 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 And it's, and it's, it's pure and it's, my other favorite quote, by the way, the, uh, who I couldn't remember was the, the, the first quote was attributed to Oscar Wilde. But it's actually a French playwright. The other quote right. that I love is Henry Ford, right? If I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you know, it, to be creative means that you're and, and to change the world means that you're making something that no one asked for on some levels. 
Uh, but by the same token, I think, and I think this is what Mike was getting at. I think if you're, if you're honest about what it is that you've really got to work with and you're really trying to solve a problem, then the, and, and you're being simple about that, I think that the product can be very focused. And I think what we're all attracted to on, on earth and what becomes cool are things that are so pure and so minimal in their sort of solution to a problem, whether it's denim, whether mm-hmm. it's military, you know, the military is a constant inspiration point for the world because it's just all it does is function, right? So whether it's cargoes or army jackets or Jeeps or whatever it is, all that stuff really gets people fired up because it just, it's authentic, you know, brands like Patagonia, you know, the, the rock climbing guys. I think those are, those are the things that, I think people gravitate to, towards too, especially now that the world has become so good at generating BS and things that are just sort of mm. obviously all marketing. I think people are really searching for those those pure things out there. Like I noticed recently, at least in Los Angeles, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, that like the Prius has been replaced by the Subaru in my neighborhoods. But everybody drives a Subaru now. And I think it's again, it's like, Subaru Subaru. They don't try and be anything else. They just make weird cars for guys that like to climb mountains and do shit. And they don't try and be, they're not cool at all. And that's what makes them cool. Super functional, super real. In the beginning, David, you said like about the attention span too, which is quite interesting because I was in music school at the time when the music industry completely shifted. And the, the attention span just went from literal seconds. You know, it just went from minutes to seconds and you had to do quick ads and Every song had to come through on the radio. It was, it was really, really interesting. So um, it's, it, it's just mind-blowing that I think that to elaborate on that is that authenticity is not only what people notice sometimes, it literally can meet the needs of the consumer because we live so, in my opinion, with digital has brought us closer together, but it gives the opportunity for us to forget how to be authentic all the time and authentic yes. marketing is it's hard to do like is what i'm learning like it doesn't it doesn't it's not sticky all the time man when it is you can create a very real connection people just want to be listened to they want to be heard they want to feel important and in in the day and age that like everything just feels so kind of manufactured yeah on a grand scale so any type of authenticity can build um people call it building a tribe or you know or something but i just i just see it in the most basic meeting of the needs of like-minded individuals it's it's interesting i think that you know running shoes if i can summarize uh, the last 30 years or so uh i mean like they went through this period where in the 80s 90s they were still making running shoes to be uh, running shoes for runners and then then mm-hmm. uh, lifestyle came into play there design came into play in, in in good ways but then you had in the early 2000s you had a lot of shoes that were overbuilt and heavy um and weren't really that functional we talked about function before but like and all of a sudden like you know there was like people like what's going on right and certainly running was shifting then too but then you had nike coming out with free right just thinking totally different then you had like the five fingers uh phenomenon mm-hmm. come out and all this minimalism right and that put a huge charge and a huge bolt into what running was what the running shoe market mm-hmm. was and then obviously the born to run book you know and barefoot running all stuff and, and out of that came like you know newton running um and then hoka obviously which is which is uh the opposite of minimalism right um right. And, and then it seems like it's it sparked this whole thing but it but but eventually came back to functionality so it seems like 
obviously every now and then, as you mentioned, Michael, that the, the music shifted, right? And there's a lot of things that shift and shift causes change. And hopefully that creates new opportunities for new people. And it seems like obviously you guys are probably on the forefront of that right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll let Michael speak to his views of that. I don't know. Unfortunately, I feel like music <laughs> hasn't really recovered yet. <laughs> I think I think there's a disposable quality to music that's happened that's really sad. That's just, you know. It is very sad. It's very disposable. It's just, you know, it's just how many clicks. Quite can entertaining, though. And very it's entertaining. High yeah, yeah, exactly. But you're not going to be. over the radio. You're not going to be a guy that's in the industry for 25 years anymore. It just doesn't happen. You're lucky if you get two singles and then they just walk, you know, they spit you out. Uh, with shoes, yeah, it's interesting how. Um, I mean, it doesn't get more pure and 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 sort of. The other thing that I'm always striving for with, with and I think that what we're, Michael and I are also talking about is sort of you know punk rock, right? Punk rock is hundred percent the purest, simplest solution to sort of you know we're poor, we're not really good with these instruments, <laughs> we don't have many instruments, and we're just gonna go buck wild, and that's how hip hop started, same thing, and I feel like um, Five Fingers felt like that to me. Polka, though, although it's not minimal in the sense that it's thick, it is quite minimal in its approach to what they're doing. Absolutely. Uh, right? Would you agree? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, meaning that they're very linear with their with with their approach. And well, not- yeah, and even at the shoe, it's just like, I mean, most most hokas, it, the upper is basically a free, and you mm-hmm. got, you know, you got a heel counter, and you got a, a yeah. midsole, and that's it. And a lot of times, they don't even have outsoles, or they have like one or two pieces, and the rest is I know, is it is interesting. They're mixing, they're, they're beautifully mixing two, two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I heard, I, I spoke... I spoke at length with, with Jean-Luc Dayard once, mm-hmm. and he said to me, I think I said this to you, uh, Brian, last time we spoke, he said, you know, in his conversations with athletes, he's never met an athlete that wouldn't take more cushioning if it wasn't at the price of weight. And so that's their, that's their absolute foundation of their, of their philosophy, yeah. and it makes perfect sense. So they're, they're really simple shoes. They just happen to have a ton of cushioning. Right. And also, also you know, listening to what – what's needed out there maybe, but also uh, taking a different approach um, to that functionality too. I mean, like obviously, you know, Hoka was born out of uh, running in the mountains and the Alps, right? And so more cushioning always made more sense, you know? And so at the time when when minimalism was going off, which was, again, good in itself because it, it got back to the pure tenets of running, right? How, how you move through through uh, th- this, you know, sagittal plane, right? And, and, and yet most runners, yeah, okay, I get that. I can run more more upright and everything else, but, oh gosh, I love that cushion, especially if I'm running longer. Right. And so yeah. I, I think that's the beauty of what Hoka did. And they, they, they took a lot of smart tenants out of what minimalism was and then kept, continued to innovate, which was, I think certainly uh, one of the keys of their brand. You just hit on something too. That's interesting to me, which is if, if you are, that's the beauty of sort of, of, of humanity is the fact that we can take things that weren't necessarily designed for something and apply them to other places that we may, you know, maybe didn't even anticipate them being used for, um, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's penicillin or any of these things that sort of ended up having a life that was completely different than how it was developed. So like, you know, like you said, Hocus were developed specifically for, for running in the Alps, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're the triathlon shoe of choice. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I even think, you know, I'm convinced that they all, that, that, that philosophy is applicable to other sports where, you know, you start seeing that, that graph of, uh, you know, throughout a season, for instance, in the NBA as athletes, you know, 
throughout later in the season, they begin to dip as they, as they fatigue. Right. And I suspect that if they had more protection throughout the year, that you wouldn't see that drop be so aggressive. So, you know, it's like the money ball of sports almost uh, of, of sneaker design. I, I suspect that that's going to be applicable to other places. And I think Mike's idea is going to be applicable to other places that maybe he never thought of. And, you know, that's what's cool about pure ideas. Yeah, I think, I think, I think too, that, that like, you know, if you, if you look at how running has changed, right? I mean, like, all those, all those years ago I just spoke about, running was one thing. You had to go out and train for a marathon and like either prove you did it or run faster, right? And then that evolved that more people were getting involved in it, which was a good thing. And then, you know, fast forward to today where you had this last 10 years of, yeah, there's still people training for half marathons and marathons, but there's the, the color run, the mud runs, the obstacle runs, all this stuff. And really, you know, with this, this latest generation is, is like, however they want to view running, right? And the common denominator just happens to be, you know, athletic shoes, running shoes, right? But it, but obviously now it's like you can make something to reach a different part of the market that wasn't there years ago. And yeah. even if your, your function is still running or athletic shoe, um, I mean, that's obviously changed and those those barriers are forever gone. You don't have to cater to that that man or woman who wants to run, you know, a 310 marathon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we stand, we always will stand on these shoulders of these giants. I mean, there's not a company out there that I do not respect. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, even if they've made interesting decisions that have gone to be like not the best decisions in time, I still respect the attempt. And, um, and that's what, in the beginning, I didn't know whether or not it was a competition or not. And I've firmly resolved that it is absolutely not a competition. We're all in this together, like just promoting the narrative over time. I would just wanted my part to be, you know, very specific. And it's, I'm, I'm just most excited about being a part of the narrative and because consumers and athletes, they always want different stuff and, and they have to have examples of the new Atreyu's or whatever, you know, the brand black to, to know what, how, how this story plays out. I mean, um, I'm just a firm believer that there is a linear progression. We've ended up, for example, with footwear or music or technology because of how things have gone. Running shoes have been so interesting. Um, and what's, what's awesome is that um, every single pivot has, has led to a new brand, you know, and, and like the entrance of subscription. And that was a technology-driven piece. So that technology-driven piece gave me the opportunity to build something that was unique. And we'll just see where this goes. I mean, because we could take some of what the other people do and some of what, what we'll both achieve and, and then just move on from there. So it's, it's a fun story. It's, it's not a competition. It's just a part of the narrative. Sure. Um, you know, David, you, you were with one of those brand sketchers that came out of um, kind of this new era of new brands. I know that they had a tougher time maybe in some respects because back then, I'm talking like 10 years ago, when, when Meb signed with them, people were like, oh, Skechers, they're doing running now? And, but, but now it's like, you know, brands can come and make their identity without that questioning. And I think that certainly you guys, you know, Brand Black and obviously Atreyu are both examples of that. But, but there's been other brands too on running, right, with their, their unique cloud uh, cushioning system. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's plenty of other brands that have come out. And like certainly with, with, with innovation or with kind of a – an intent, right, of what they want to be, right, and not, you know, not being like everyone else. I think that's, that's that's certainly one of the cool things that's happened in the last 10 years or so, and certainly, you know, why we're talking about all these different um, 
you know, kind of nuances of what, you know, what running is now. That's, you know, it's, it's the thing that kept us sort of from, from giving up because it was obviously that the, the, the headwind against a brand like Skechers was, was, was huge. Uh, you know, just 20, you know, 25 plus years of, of, of doing it one way and then having a, you know, of being known for, for things that weren't that, that great. Um, but what, what kept us moving forward was as long as we're sort of honest about what it is that we're doing and we're trying really hard to make great product that will eventually sort of cut through all the noise. And if you just keep showing up, they'll eventually just have to accept you. And I, and I, and I've, and I've seen that in sort of sports a lot, you know, how many times, you know, I, basketball was my sport, but you know, how many times have you sort of, you know, you're, you're going to pick your team and there's a guy that looks like a complete scrub out there. And you're like, I'm not picking that dude right there. Or the, 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 you know, the, the, the 50 year old dad who just looks completely out of shape, whatever. And then he comes out there and he's a fucking ringer. You know, he's just clapping J's from everywhere and just a machine. And it, and it goes to show that sort of, you know, you, A, you can't judge a boat by a cover, but B, you know, performance sort of is everything. So all of a sudden now that guy you're going to remember him a lot more than you would have maybe somebody that looked a little bit more the part because here is this guy that just completely blew your expectations and also just sort of did it his way. And so, you know, I felt like any brand can do that as long as they stick to their guns and they, and they really do what they do well and they, they try really hard and their intention uh, is pure, they'll, they'll be able to get through all of the negative headwind at some point. Yeah, for sure. Um, Michael, you obviously, you're coming in new to this, obviously. Um, mm-hmm your experience running isn't, isn't that deep, but you're obviously making an impact. I mean, like, you know, like I've said, people have asked me about the shoes that I've been wearing, you know, I, and I, I test, you know, 30 different shoes a month or more. Right. And like, but people have probably more notably said like, Oh, cool. What are those? You know? Um, I, I guess from your point of view, I mean, obviously you're, you're starting out fresh, you know, and, and, and yet you're trying to reach this, reach these runners that have been around with, with, with established brands the Nikes, the Adidas, you know, all these, all these brands, um, was that pretty daunting at first or did it just make sense? Um, I'll answer that for sure. Uh, it was very daunting. It is very daunting. I am, I am, I'm my biggest critic. I held my breath when I sent you the shoes. Yeah. Really? Like, I mean, I was checking my phone all the time. I checked my phone when I sent them to, uh, Sam over at Roadshow Run, Thomas over at Believe in the Run. I mean, I, I literally... Like I said, even though I'm an artist and I come from that creative background, which usually translates to this like weird self-esteem critical thing. So I have that, but I really try and harness that as like the motivating force. Now, I um, it doesn't mean though that I didn't know exactly what I wanted and I'm very passionate about it. And so I'm... 33 now, and I I ran cross country in high school. I was running through my 20s off and on. But when I hit 26, and I got sober, and I did that thing, and I was on this pursuit of the ultimate honesty, and it manifested itself into the endurance arts is what I call it. I I call myself an artist, but I like to think of it as an endurance artist. Like, what are we doing with our lives? And everything came so clear. I, I ran these shoes like this Takumi Sin and I felt the road for the first time and I felt my bones and tendons and ligaments and it was just visceral. It was the most amazing situation ever. And I come from 
being able to not know what was going on to like observing inward, looking inward, that meditative inward, like we have all the answers in our body if we listen to it. And then I started reading the scientific research studies. And then I started drawing my own conclusions. So yes, even though it is daunting and I am my biggest critic and I'm afraid that people are not going to like these things. And I'm, and even though I hear it all the time, like we're really pleasantly surprised by the shoe. It, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's very calculated. I'm a big fan of balance. I'm a big fan of, of being very clear with the intent. Uh, simplicity is the key to happiness and success again. And when building it, operating within that parameter of limitations is, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, whatever happens as a newbie, and I've been called that before, and like, um, and I am, but at the end of the day, I can check the box. I've made something to please myself, and that was my only goal, you know, and then I really wanted a product that was just upfront, honest, balanced, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, anything else is the fruits, you know, if, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. I like that. I, I, um, you know, I've never obviously created a shoe brand, but like for myself as a writer, I've always like, um, you know, had, had pride in like putting out a story that like someone would see, or, um, you know, it used to be back in the day in newspapers and, you know, and someone's like, Oh, I saw your story about the the game or, you know, and just, just before this call, someone texted me about a story I just wrote for trail runner. Right. And like, there's that, there's that pride of like, yeah, I put effort into that and it's my name on top. Right. And like, it's not my ego, but it's, 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 it's that pride, right. Of what I wanted to yeah. create or, or how I can formulate that. And, and, and if my skill happens to be putting words together, that's exciting for me, just yeah. as you guys have each brought your passion, your skill, um, your creativity. And I think that's, what's exciting. And I'm, I'm sure David, from your point of view, I mean, like, obviously it's not easy starting a business and in a footwear business and all this other stuff, but I, I'm sure that, you know, probably initially in 2014, when your first models came out and even right now you see your product on the street or whatever, it's got to be a huge, like thump in your heart, right? Yeah. It, it feels, you know, I think that was the, the, the drug that, you know, that was the high, the first high mm -hmm. that sort of got me sort of uh, into this industry was, was seeing my peers at the time wearing a product that I had designed. I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. I would say um, it's interesting because on the one hand, you're sort of, yeah, you're, 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 it's a wonderful thing. You're driven by that. On the other hand, there's also the negative side that comes with it that you have to listen to and hear. And, you know, with social media, you get up trolls and you get a lot of, a lot of negative energy out there. And uh, it requires you to sort of, I think that Michael brought up the point of just looking inside, you know, you, you have to sort of, you have to stay true to why you're doing it or else you can get lost in, especially nowadays so much of the world is, is determined by what other people think of what you're doing that you got to be careful, you know, at least for myself, I know that that's a sort of, that's a, a trigger for me or a trap for me that I have to be really careful that I'm doing, I'm doing things for, for all the right reasons in that, you know, when I walk off the court, I feel good about what I did, whether or not uh, somebody tells me it was fucking terrible, you know, and, 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 even there's times where you think you did something really good and you're really proud of it. And then it ended up in retrospect, just being an absolute Turkey and it wasn't very good. But uh, as long as you tried really hard and, and you know that, I think that that's the key. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you guys didn't set out to be 
the brand that competes with the Nike Pegasus, right? I mean, like um, everyone can wear the Pegasus and it's, and it's going to change and do things. And, you know, I, I actually love the Pegasus uh, sometimes, but, uh, but, uh, but obviously uh, putting this like kind of passion into these products, I mean, like, again, it's, it's no longer about like reaching a certain customer, but it's really about the kind of, yeah, you guys creating and putting it out there. And obviously it's, it's, it's probably cool um, to find an audience, but also like it's it's reassuring that yeah, what you're doing, what you believed in, um, based on your experience, based on your passion, based on you know, based on your hot dog cart business, right? I mean, like whatever it is, it made you who you are to this point. Um, that's it's it's cool that products can thrive based on that because you put all this like authenticity and just uh, in in your own kind of stuff into it, right? Goodness, yeah. I mean, I I've, I over overanalyze so much, but when I think about the times when I'm happiest and I'm the most productive and I pull off things that I didn't think that I would be able to do, it's always when I've, I've reached inward and kind of taken that chance or the leap of creativity or didn't know where the cards would fall, but I felt good about it. You know, David, when you I'm sure you feel the same way when you, when you release a new shoe or a design or something, it's like, what are they going to think? Because the market seems to want something else. Yeah, And they don't know exactly what it means if they're offered another thing. And that's a very scary position to have to be in. Like, hey, here's this something new. And I understand that the other thing is working. But here, here's a way that you can build, you know, formulate another opinion. And all I ask is that you're objective about it. You give it a shot. And we'll see from there. And that that very much, that's as much literal as it is creative. That can be fun and, you know, very tactile. So I, yeah, I, it, it's never served me wrong in, not, not in particularly like the footwear business, but just in life in general. That's, that's an interesting point you bring up that I think applies to all art forms is, you know, because you see it in music as well is the idea that if you're going to try something that is different, that you always run the risk. I mean, there's always that sort of that little, that insecure little guy sitting on your shoulder just going, you know, man, I hope they're going to like it. I hope they don't think yeah. that I'm a complete loser, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think oftentimes you try and maybe muffle your pure inner voice because you, you want to sort of, um, you want your product or your brand or your idea, whatever, to sort of fit into norms that you think you know will be successful. Mm -hmm. And to be really purely sort of individual and try something unique is, uh, it's hard, man. You know, you yeah. end up, it's, it's, you definitely, you know, what's the expression, you know, if you're the first one through the, through the door, you end up with a lot of, yeah, <laughs> what is it, it was in your back or whatever, but you know, you For end sure. up, yeah, you know, it's, 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 if you're going to really do that and, and, and be an individual and be pure, you know, uh, you're, you're going to, you're going to take some heat. Um, I think that it's the road less traveled. And I think that the ones that can manage to pull it off are the ones that have real longevity and a real, what a luxury, you know, it's almost like if you're strong enough to not compromise short term then you won't have to compromise much at all once you sort of get your wacky thing through the door. Mm -hmm. But that process to get there is tough, you know? And I think uh, I've come to the conclusion that um, as a young brand that's competing against Nike and Adidas, whether we want to or not, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got to start, I think, uh, 
I have to take advantage of, of the guerrilla warfare sort of mentality that, you know, I have at the end of the day, if somebody wants a, a shoe like a Nike, they're going to get a shoe like a Nike. Or if they want a shoe like an Adidas, they're going to get a shoe like an Adidas. So the only reason why they're going to buy a brand black is because it's doing something that's just completely off on its own tangent. And that obviously is going to limit its appeal and, and, you know, uh, and be a little wacky, but, uh, that's that customer that wants that, uh, is going to really care about this brand because they're, they're getting something that really speaks to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. And that, that's kind of how a brand like ultra started ultra running, uh, you know, yeah, man. 10 years in and like, you know, um, Golden and Brian from, from Ultra, you know, they had this idea and they were tweaking shoes. And that, that's, I think that's one of the coolest things. Like they were just tweaking shoes and trying to help people run better, right? And like they were just deconstructing and and, and there's there's no and, way that they brought that Birkenstock looking shoe out the first time and had people go, man, that thing looks great. There's right, no right, way. Right, right, you know, right. They- <laughs> but, but but to that point, they had followers and it, 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 that wasn't about what it, what it looked like. And like, wow, yeah, I run better. My knees don't hurt, whatever it was. And like, they built a brand around that. And that's, I think that's a, a cool thing. And it's similar to you guys in, in the path you've been on, you know, to do something authentic and real. And at the same time, they've gotten very big, right? And they've been uh, invested in a couple of times and sold a couple of times. Now they're part of uh, VF, obviously. And like, I guess, you know, that's a whole different piece. But but I think also some of this discussion in running shoes and innovation has certainly woken up the big guys too. Because now it's like, you know, Nike, you know, went deep into their, into their cellar and said, hey, we got to create a better marathon shoe and they came up with the carbon fiber plate concept um and that uh, at one end is pushing you know running and performance at a different end which is probably good i mean it doesn't that's not your business right but i mean like it, it seems like these these creative uh creative ideas and creative brands certainly have their place and their impact but they they can two things one they can also get very big but they can also um wake up the giant maybe yeah, yeah I, for sure I, I give nike so much credit for um always making really cool product and uh and i think that they had lost their way for a while and it let adidas in the door and then you know like you said they woke up that giant and they're doing some really innovative stuff brian you know i i have a i have a a, a real soft spot for for that alpha fly uh shoe i think it's just so it is so much the kind of pure weird product that I just love. I mean, that thing is a bowl of crazy when you look at it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's wild. The, the coolest thing about their their program and is is that you can you can just feel you can feel it. It ripples into every company into every athlete. And I mean, I was at the at the trials, and it was such a hot topic, the Olympic trials, and. You know, they had, they had sampled the shoes. It was, it was just the, the amount of power behind the voice, the brand voice is, is something that um, I'll definitely just, it's, it's so much fun to tip the hat to just to say like, when I'm running in, in the Atreyu shoes, I, am, I have that, the most visceral of screams. And, and, and even though I'm self-critical and everything, it's just like, this is my fucking voice. Like, this is the... I, I feel it and I'm, and I'm working on cultivating that and everything. And that's, that's just what I think those programs are. It's just like that inherent, this is what we do. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really cool to just, just watch it all unfold. I mean, it is a competition, but it doesn't mean that we can't observe and, and see the authenticity of the intent. And it's like, a, you know, as long as you're doing you, like we can all be competing really hard, but we can also appreciate when somebody's doing, you know, doing their thing in a really cool way, uh, yeah. you, you, you can't, you know, yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
And I think that's what's cool is, I mean, like, you know, we, we saw uh, Kipchoge, you know, you know, run 201, then break the two hour marathon. People talk about it. Like, yeah. Oh, will it happen in our lifetime? This and that. And Nike went after it and boom, they got the right athlete, the right program, the right footwear technology. And, and, and boom, it, you know, wow, that's that, that's that's crazy cool. Right. I mean, like they talk about that being like a moonshot thing, like Roger Bannister breaking the four minute mile. On it, yeah. For sure. I mean, like, you know, it was, it was forever. People talking about, oh, it's never going to be possible. It's not only possible. It's like, here's how it happens. And, and here's. Here's not only our shoe, but it it, it uh, spurred the industry to to follow suit and have all these other you know crazy great products and think out of the box on that stuff. So, I mean, like you know whether I'm going to go out and run you know sub three hours this fall or not. I mean, like, but it, it, it's just inspiring. The stuff is happening at both your level, obviously, but also at the bigger level too. You know, we were playing with full length carbon fiber plates when I was at Adidas in '96. Right, was that the pro plate? And, huh? The was pro, that the pro yeah. plate? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we, so it was an offshoot of the torsion plate, and we had the pro plate. We were having a really difficult time uh, commercializing it, though, because the plates were breaking, and they yeah. were scared to put it into the market because it was, you know, it, it had the preconceived notion of being so stiff that people didn't understand what it was, and then B, that they were breaking. Uh, and it took the breakthrough in um, the factory that could manufacture those carbon fiber parts so that they could be flexible enough not to break. Because I know the factory. I was working with them in the, on some basketball projects couple years ago and i don't know what technology they've got but you could take those plates and bend them one, one end on the other and they don't snap and it's just unbelievable and that has opened the door for uh you know uh, a, a kind of a kind of industrial revolution of sorts in, in, in the sneaker industry you know i think we're just seeing the very beginning of what plates are going to be able to do now that they're 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 not static plates anymore they're not just for structure that they're actually creating you know kinetic return and energy return and it's going to open the door for uh, all kinds of conversations about legality, right? Uh, you know, I'm a big motorsports fan, and that, that happens all the time in motorsports, you know, where somebody comes in with a new aerodynamic feature that they want to ban because it just gives too much of a competitive advantage. And I think that, that those kinds of technologies are starting to happen now really quickly, you know, with new foam, foam blends and new plastic parts, and now we've got 3D printing. I think in the next five, 10 years, we're going to start seeing some really, really crazy stuff in our industry. Yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, if you look at like the innovation in foams that is still happening, we're still at the forefront of that. I think that uh, if you combine that with, um, you know, probably the creativity of what you guys are talking about, um, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty unlimited. I think, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Jean-Luc Diard before, and he told me recently, like, yeah, it's like, you know, if you look at all these other products we've evolved um, through the last 10, 20, 50 years, right? Running shoes really, uh, up until maybe recently, ha haven't really um, evolved. It's been it's been rubber and foam and some kind of upper, right? And like certainly, the materials change. But but that, you know, his point was like it only goes to show there's a long way to go right in front of us that this could explode with innovation and creativity. And that, that's that's super cool to me, and it's got to be cool to you guys. Yeah, I very much wait. so. Yeah, what, <laughs> some of the some of the design parameters that I set on on the base model that you have, uh, Brian, was uh, I'm really obsessed with what we can inject um, into into the clamshells. Like I really I'm I'm really, really looking forward to, to even more materials than we have readily available right now. Uh, including you know um it's I, I research so much, um, you know, eco-friendly best practices and things like that, and, and and I arrived on the lifespan of the shoe, just making sure that the intent 
and the supply chain is mitigated properly and everything like that. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm really looking forward in the next five years of when we can start using other types of materials as injectables. That's going to be really, really awesome. I think that's going to be one of the fun things that I'm going to enjoy doing. I mean, I got to see, um, I can't divulge too much because man, this, this facility that I was led into, uh, from one of my manufacturers, um, it was like retina scanning and it was nuts how high tech this, this -hmm. place was. And they were making, 3D printed parts, right? We've seen that. So they're, they're, these guys were making the future craft Adidas 4D stuff, but they were also making uppers, which I had never, I didn't even know that existed. So they had some Nike running crazy thing that was being 3D printed. And, you know, you want to talk about a technology that we haven't even tapped, you know, we haven't even just, we haven't even touched the, 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 the tip of the iceberg on is right now the cycle times are so long on 3D printing that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense, except if somebody was to radically change how this industry works and you didn't manufacture things ahead of time, then you wouldn't even have to worry about that anymore. So I think, you know, just like they were saying when the desktop printer, right, was developed, people were like, well, what the hell are you going to print? Who prints stuff? Yeah. I'm not a print shop. I'm not a magazine. What the hell am I going to do yeah. with a desktop printer? You know what I mean? Now everybody has one. I think the same thing will happen with 3D printing. And I think that revolution will also change supply chains radically. Uh, will change, you know, socioeconomic effects on for you know, sure. exploiting, you know, other countries yeah. for cheap labor and, and, and it will be greener because you won't have to ship stuff all over the world. I mean, I just think we're on, we're on the absolute cusp of such a big, you know, I think you're right, Brian, it's been the same old thing for the last, you know, and that goes with everything, I think on some levels. And then all of a sudden, Something happened. I, think, I guess Moore's law kicked in, and and just we're at a point now where things are happening so quickly, exponentially that it's going to be hard to even predict where it goes in the next ten years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, we're winding down here time wise, but uh, uh, you know, I always tell people that 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 to me, like happiness is a new pair of shoes, and specifically for me, happiness is a new pair of running shoes. And and I know why because it could make me feel good or make me feel motivated or inspired, or I go run this trail, or I remember the the marathon I ran. But I guess. You know, from your point, David, uh, maybe tell me, kind of, kind of in that maybe idea, um, how does that relate to Brand Black, and then maybe where you're going to be in the next year or two years or several years? You know, obviously with, with the notion that you're inspiring people, but but from from your point of view. So I would say first and foremost, um, happiness for me is creating. Um, if I'm getting a chance to, to, to sort of be creative and, and solving problems and, and, and doing the things I love to do, then I'm happy. Um, we have been around since 2014, but this is going to be the first year that we're actually introducing technical functional running shoes. I think we didn't feel like we were um, in a place from a logistics and from a resources standpoint to be able to, to do something that was worthwhile. We felt like we could just do a Me Too product that meant nothing. But to actually do something that was interesting that sort of could cut through a lot of the noise was um, something that we weren't going to be able to do until just now. So I'm excited to start making running shoes again and uh, and hopefully get to a place where we're absolutely traumatizing people with the wacky stuff we're building. So that, that's my hope. I love that. That's I love awesome. that. And I've heard I've heard some rumors and everything else. We should catch up offline, but I've definitely heard some good things. So um, yeah, I'm gonna have some samples pretty soon. Right on. I, I love that. Um, and, and Michael, obviously you're just the front end of this and you know, you've put your, uh, your shingle over your head and everything else. And like, I think so far people are excited. People are like, you know, people are like, wait, who is this guy? And like, what's he doing? And then, 
you know, like so far the shoes to me have performed really well. They're obviously super lightweight. They've got this funky, cool design element, but I guess, you know, you're just at the cusp of this and like, you know, July is going to be a big month for you and, you know, God knows what's, what's a year away, but I guess maybe talk about that in terms of like, again, that happy happiness is a new pair of shoes concept. Sure. Um, God, there's, I, I can't speak on it enough. I mean, I, I built the whole thing around this idea that every time I got a new pair of shoes that, that they, it was, it was a new life. Like can call me, call me a little crazy, but I see things in the, in, in the life and death cycle, like everything, um, everything, all things, you know, must pass. Everything arises to pass. And so does the materials that we run on. And I just, every time I thought about designing and creating, I thought about incorporating this life cycle into it. So it's a very personal thing for me. Um, I'm just glad that I have the ability to create a product that, that aligns with this meditative spirit where I look inward and do this thing and I get to, God, man, I get to be creative in that realm. It's just the coolest opportunity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it hell. I'm going to give it everything I have and I'm excited to see what happens, but happiness is a new pair of running shoes for me. Tried and true. Every, I'm still a sneaker headed heart, you know, it's, and I always will be. And I love seeing the trends out there and I love watching what's going on. Um, and nothing will change in that. I just, I just wanted to, to present something that's deeply personal to the community that is like-minded. So I'm fortunate to, to see what happens. Really cool. Well, uh, that's a wrap for this issue, uh, episode of uh, Kixology Podcast. Um, my, my deep thanks to David Rice from Brand Black and Michael Kradrick from uh, from Atreyu. Uh, it's exciting for both of you guys uh, where you're at. I, I wish you the best and I really appreciate the conversation. It's great telling stories and great having fun just talking about shoes, right? Awesome, man. Thank you so much. You got it, Brian and David. Thank you all for sharing the conversation indeed. All right. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kixology Podcast. Many thanks to David Rice and Michael Kradrick for joining on this show. Look for some of their new designs on Instagram and also at atreyurunning.com and brandblack.com. Please tune in each week as I talk about all things running shoes, from breakthrough innovations to historic fails, the bestsellers of the past, and where we're going in the future. Also, be sure to pick up a copy of my book, Kixology, The Hype, Science, Culture, and Cool of Running Shoes, available at bellopress.com and Amazon. <laughs>